opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, our Lua session for this afternoon. Lua, of course, being Library Users of America. I am Paul Edwards, and I am from Jacksonville, Florida and have been a former president of Lua. It's a pleasure for me to welcome those of you who are in the room as well as those who are on Zoom. Um, we will have an opportunity to do two things today. The first of them is to hear some from uh, Jake Williams who spoke this morning at our session. Um, and then once that is complete, we will have an opportunity to ask and have Mr. Williams answer questions. Ralph Smitherman has agreed to be our mic runner for questions from the room, and I will alternate questions from the room with questions from Zoom. Um, and, and, and if I make a mess of it, I'm sure that either Zoom or the room will tell me that I'm doing that. Uh, I think that what we can do at this point uh, is to uh, introduce for some initial remarks, Mr. Jake Williams. Now, um, any of you who are into nonfiction or magazines have probably been hearing lots from Mr. Williams over the last 20 or 25 years. Uh, we'll, we'll ask him why he hasn't done more fiction when we get down to it later on. Um, but a lot of what I've heard Jake read is, is nonfiction. And I suspect that's true of lots of you. But Jake hails from Denver in Colorado, and it gives me great pleasure to invite Mr. Williams to speak. Sure, thank you. It has, uh, it's been fun. Um, I'm at the age now, let's, let's say mid-70s, that... Um, uh, when my friends and I get together and uh, uh, for uh, uh, just our own entertainment, what we seem to do best with each other is, do you remember when? <laughs> I don't know how many people were around uh, this morning, uh, went into uh, um, a lengthy background, uh, uh, why don't I tell you a little bit about the uh, Library of Congress recording process. Excellent. Our um, studio pre-pandemic, I haven't, I don't know how many are left or just what the situation is now, but there were at one time seven uh, studios recording work for the library. Um, books and magazines uh, through the Talking Books for the Blind program. I don't know how many of those studios there are currently. There are two in Denver. Um, our Midwestern accent is considered by the government to be no accent. So uh, that is why many of the uh, books and magazines are recorded in the Midwest because uh, we're considered uh, not necessarily flat English, but unaccented. The process involves, um, the government stipulates uh, when the recording happens, there must be a minimum of two sets of ears listening in uh, to make sure that uh, the material follows the script uh, provided. And uh, after the initial recording, we go through what we call a review process where the recording itself is uh, listened to not only for pronunciations and how well it follows the script, but then we add in that process the length of uh, pauses between chapters, subchapters, etc., um, because there is a uh, 
the government specifies uh, uh, maximum uh, uh, length for pauses between uh, chapters and sections and also specifies that whatever we do be consistent in our formatting. And uh, after the original recording goes through that process, it's then recorrected for uh, uh, whatever shortcomings uh, are de developed in that phase. Then it is uh, the turn of the uh, electronic people who will process the product into its, uh, the form that it will remain uh, uh, in the library's files and we send it to the library and it's uh, hopefully accepted and put into the permanent archive after that stage. Uh, do we have any, uh, someone was asking me uh, uh, why they haven't heard uh, my voice in particular on uh, more nonfiction or more fiction works than uh, how it appears. And uh, the simple truth of the matter is there are people who are better at characterizations and, uh, um, you know, various aspects of uh, reading a fiction story. There are those who do it better than I. And uh, we all have our specialties. And uh, my background is that of uh, uh, radio announcer, newscaster. Um, we have people who come from a theater background and uh, have been doing characterizations uh, uh, much longer than I have. And uh, uh, quite frankly, it's easier for them and they're more convincing when they do it to uh, sound like a Glaxon war general with seven appendages uh, or uh, uh, the uh, uh, little sister of the main character. It's, uh, it's just not something I do as well as, uh, uh, as other readers. Very good. So Shall we start with a couple of questions? Would you like to do that? I would. Uh, I'd, I'd enjoy that. Yes. So let's take one from the room if someone has a hand. Okay. All right. Tell us who you are and where you're from. Yeah. It's Lucy Edmonds from Lansing, Michigan. Hello, Mr. Williams. It's great to have you here. I always enjoy hearing all of the talking book narrators every year. So we had someone come like three years ago and she gave quite a bleak view of the future of NLS talking book readers because of the commercially recorded books that excuse me, NLS is now using. Um, so what, what do you think about that? I mean, do you, do you think that they're eventually gonna go to artificially artificial intelligence recorded books and commercially recorded books altogether or what do you think that's very difficult to uh, uh, answer um, the uh, showing my own bias the uh, um, artificial readers are not yet ready to be uh, even convincing in the uh, in that they are uh, just simply not aware of uh, many of the nuances uh, we humans still take for granted. However, that uh, situation may or may not probably will improve as uh, our knowledge of how to create that improves. And uh, like you say, the uh, willingness on the part of uh, uh, the powers that be to uh, go with the cheaper product is always going to be a factor. So uh, yeah, that does remain to be seen. That is a very big if. Okay. 
But the interesting thing in Denver, Mr. Williams, is that um, uh, the, the studio that was there, Talking Book Publishing, ended up splitting into two studios. And you guys still appear to have enough work? So far, um, both studios are still coexisting. Uh, um, the specialty is a little bit different. Um, the uh, Talking Book Publishers still does um, a lot of magazine work and they do more of the popular fiction than we do. We handle, uh, we being uh, uh, Books to Life Incorporated, uh, uh, also in Denver, uh, do the more complicated uh, works involving perhaps more different languages blended together. And uh, there is a hand up. Um, Hold on, let's take, Let's take one from Zoom first, if we could. Oh, sure. Steve Dresser, you can unmute. Well, first of all, uh, Mr. Williams, I am quite familiar with the work that you did when you used to read QST, uh, which is a magazine for ham radio operators, mostly. Um, one of the things that always impressed me was your ability to read the schematics and the various tables. And if for anybody who reads QST, there are a bunch of them. And I guess what I'm wondering is, was that a difficult process uh, for you to do? And was there a lot of uh, work involved? Uh, how, how did you get it done so well? We had a couple different uh, ham operators who would um, uh, read the schematics and uh, translate them into uh, narrative English for us. So uh, when I got the material to read, it had already been uh, digested for me so that uh, I had uh, a sheet of paper in front of me, which I just read word for word. Excellent. Now we can take the hand that's here. Okay. Um, I'm Sissy Lincoln um, from Cincinnati, Ohio. I work for Cloverneck Center for the Blind as a Braille proofreader. Thanks for coming to speak with us. Mm -hmm. um, I am going to put you on the spot a little bit, Mr. Williams. Okay. Um, I'm curious about um, what was the first book that you uh, recorded for NLS and what book are you currently working on for NLS if, if you are working on something? Thank you. The first book, I do not remember. Uh, it was, uh, it would have been in the uh, early 1970s and uh, I'm sure it wasn't very difficult because I would have been uh, the new recruit being broken in, or you know, uh, being uh, uh, cultivated. That sounds, I suppose, better than broken in. But I really don't remember. Um, the most memorable book I've been doing some children's books, and they've been very interesting. There was one that uh, the uh, total length is, is well under an hour, I believe, on um, it's an explanation, what was, how did it come to be of the Underground Railroad? And it was for, uh, uh, I think, probably grades uh, two to three or so. It's very simple language, yet, you know, those are very difficult to read. Uh, I mean, not difficult to read as much as write, because how do you take a, um, a fairly uh, uh, abstract historical concept and make it immediate enough and then simple enough uh, and then in plain language enough? Uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the definition of an excellent teacher. He um, was also asking what book you're currently working on. I just finished um, a book called uh, Kosher Soul. It was written by a man who uh, 
is black in color. Uh, he has Jewish and Caribbean roots. And uh, he is himself uh, kosher and has, uh, um, uh, is, has enough certification, uh, more um, uh, Jewish lore and all that uh, than some rabbis. But he's a person who um, all the tribes he's related to by blood all consider him a marginal person. He's never, uh, you know, he's an outsider to everyone that, you know, everyone he's naturally related to. But it um, it was uh, history and part uh, uh, his own reminiscences and uh, recipes. And it was a very interesting book. Excellent. Do we have a question from Zoom? This is hey, Scott. Scott yeah. Go ahead, sir. All right, uh, Mr. Williams. I would. I was. Uh, that was kind of a similar obser observation I had to. Um, that um, the previous gentleman that mentioned that you were on, we we've heard you many times over the years on QST, and I, uh, from what you said, I gather you're you yourself are not a ham radio operator. I am not personally. I uh, uh, when I was growing up, one of my uh, best friends uh, was into. Uh, um, we were both teenagers at the time, early teens. He did, in fact, go on to a fairly lengthy career working with Collins Radio. Uh, but uh, I personally have uh, uh, never had a ham license, but uh, have always been interested in the process and uh, uh, did, in fact, uh, <laughs> wind up... Uh, uh, in uh, uh, not as a ham or as an amateur, but uh, I was a professional radio operator, and that was my livelihood. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. Very good. So, do we have a hand in the room? This is Betsy Grinovich from Georgia. Mr. Williams, I want to compliment you, narrators. I tell my kids all the time the professional ones are not you, they their heart's not in it. They're just doing it more for the money, and I have to. I've been reading a lot of books by them, and I don't enjoy them. So please let the other narrators know you cannot be replaced. Well, thank you. Thank you. That is exactly um, that. That is the issue: um, um, the artificial intelligence, and even those who are just there but are really out to lunch while they're recording uh there is no heart which is discernible um and it's a question of uh uh, uh i would like to hope that as long as that is uh, a very obvious uh trait which is recognized by quite a few of the people who listen to the recordings that uh, uh, there will, uh, the demand for uh, actual interpretation will not go away. Now, how much it's hurt by economics and other factors, we don't know. But uh, there is a, um, there is a quality which, uh, uh, is hard to define. Uh, the best word I have for it is heart. Yep, I would agree. Do we have a question from Zoom? You do, Deborah Kendrick. Well, <clears throat> good morning or good afternoon or whatever it is there. Um, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, um, Jake Williams, I just want to thank you for all of the work that you've done. When, after hearing your speech this morning via Zoom, um, I went to the to the uh, NLS download site to see how many books were there because I knew I'd heard your voice before, but I couldn't remember what book. So I'm guessing it was magazines. 
But um, FYI, the BARD site says there are 645 titles currently available read by you. And I want to thank you because I probably don't read enough for growth and far too much for entertainment. So I looking through those titles that just the first 50 that were listed that I thought, oh my gosh, I want to download this and I want to download that. So thank you for um, helping me broaden my horizons. And now for my two questions, which are very different from one another. The first one is, in looking through the first several titles, I noticed, and one that I downloaded immediately, by the way, was A Place for Landing, which is a children's book that you narrated um, about the process, apparently the thinking process, that Martin Luther King went through in writing the famous I Have a Dream speech. I can't wait to hear it. Um, so, but I noticed that, like that book, you have read many, many, many books um, about African American history and or memoirs of African American people. And so I just wonder, is that a particular interest for you personally, or do you just keep being assigned them because you're good at it? That's number one. And the other question is, um, because I'm insatiably curious about minutia. What was that first book that you heard your great-grandfather listening to? Do you remember? Was it a story or was it nonfiction? I Thanks. do not know what that was. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, what brought out for me the uh, punctuations uh, between, you know, the, his periodic remarks and... Uh, my conclusion that he was talking to the device, uh, he was listening with earphones. And uh, it never occurred to me to uh, find out exactly what he was listening to. Uh, I knew it was uh, something he had gotten from the Talking Books for the Blind program, but it just, I didn't have the uh, presence uh, to. Uh, investigate any further what was it i probably would have found it very boring anyway because uh, uh i was in the uh sunday funnies uh stage of uh, uh of my uh, attention span and with regard to her question about african-american books oh um it's uh something i've had a long interest in uh um, I'm not the only African-American reader in the system, but uh, my specialty has always been uh, nonfiction works and histories with the occasional self-help thrown in. And uh, um, I haven't picked out what I can read because the individual readers don't have that ability, but we are assigned uh, sometimes uh, um, um, not a book will arrive anymore, but word will arrive from NLS with a preference as to who the reader will be. And uh, I have uh, uh, been given that preference with a lot of uh, the work I do, and I haven't minded at all because... Uh, it is an interest of mine, um, having been African-American for about uh, going on 77 years. <laughs> so is there a question from the room? My name is uh, Albert Anderson, and I'm from Chicago. Welcome to Schomburg, everybody. Yeah. Do you happen to remember the book by Charles Evers, the brother of the civil rights uh, leader, Medgar Evers? And Charles Evers also, I know, was on radio for a time. Uh, do you remember especially the title of that book? Because I'd like to recommend it to people. I can't recall the title right now. But um, I know of Charles Evers. And uh, um, they, uh, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, continuing the struggle <coughs> does apply. But they were... Uh, um, 
he was active even before uh, Medgar's was assassinated. But I don't recall the title. Do we have a question from Zoom? Yes, Mary, you may unmute. Hello. Thank you so much for being with us. We, we're enjoying what you have to say. Um, I'm from Louisiana. And um, I was just wondering, has there ever been a book that you just couldn't wait till you were finished with it because you just couldn't stand it and you wish they would take it away from you and give it to somebody else? I did a lot of uh, tomes. Uh, I have recorded uh, works that were um, some succeeded more than others at sounding scholarly. Uh, the biggest slog I can remember was an English translation of Das Kapital. Oh. And uh, that had the longest, uh, this was back in the days of 90-minute book sides, and the bibliography for that monster, it was... Uh, well, let's see, it was 35, 20, it was 90, 90 minute sides in total. Oh my goodness. And the last seven 90 minute sides were bibliography. And uh, yeah, that did turn out to be a slog. <laughs> is, uh, is there another question from the room? Uh, this is Diane from Michigan. And oh, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but I attended my first ACB convention in 2020, and that was the first virtual convention. And for the first couple of years, it seemed to be kind of traditional for the talking book narrator to bring something to read to us. So uh, I, I'm wondering if, if you have anything that you would be willing to read. I don't something. have anything with me and uh, the subject uh, didn't come up. It wouldn't have been difficult to bring something because uh, um, it's uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, we could, uh, <laughs> we, we could uh, get a phone book. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure if that exists anymore. Uh, exactly. It, it may be another of the many things that's gone by the way of the dodo. Um, are, are, are there questions from Zoom? Yeah. Yes, Vanessa, you may unmute. Uh, can everyone hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Uh, this is Vanessa from, at least for right now, not smoky Lutherville, Maryland. Thank you, Canada. Um, I'm curious... Well, first off, let, let me state that that I like both the NLS readers and or narrators. And there are some commercially recorded books with narrators who are quite good. So I would hope that the commercially recorded books would not go away. But I would certainly want for those narrators from those various companies that are used to be reminded, hey, put a little life in it. But there are a few that are quite good. Um, to be fair, uh, my question is, and if this is something you can't answer, maybe you can take it back to NLS. Um, there are times when NLS will record a book series and they will do the entire series. There are other occasions when they'll do book one, book four, book three, book eight, um, but they'll skip some of the other books in the series. So then you have to go hunting on other yeah. platforms to find that, those that may books. be a better question for tomorrow tomorrow at 2 30 if you if you come the assistant okay. director of the national library service will be here and okay. and he is he's more likely to be able to answer your question but do you have one for mr williams um because you're so interested in black history um how many books have you done specifically on, you know, just a rough estimate on the Underground Railroad? Specifically as a topic, um, I 
think Roughly. probably five, maybe. Cool. Uh, and by five, I mean probably three to seven. It's um, it's been some years, and uh, things come up from time to time, and uh, uh, I have been shown titles to books that I've read, which the title hasn't done anything for me, <laughs> uh, you know, because I've just, uh, I don't remember what's in the book. Um, it's, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to remember all and, uh, um, Specifically about the Underground Railroad, I know there haven't been many, but I have run into one or two occasionally. And over the years, I would think uh, uh, certainly no more than 10 altogether. So this question usually gets asked by someone in the room or on Zoom, but uh, I might as well ask it. Is there a favorite book that you've narrated that that has just really absolutely blown you away? There have been uh, what comes to mind uh, one of those books which I um, very much enjoyed reading and got a lot out of uh, retained very much uh, a lot of that book was in autobiography by John Lewis. Um, John Lewis uh, was not that much older than I am, and we were both uh, uh, students trying to save the world uh, at about the same time, even though we didn't cross paths. But um, uh, that book touched me in ways that... Uh, there were a lot of the way he phrased things and a lot of his personal experiences, uh, which uh, uh, were very familiar to me. And, and I think it was because we were about the same age and had uh, uh, very similar, if not exactly the same experiences. Excellent. I, th I think we're up to the room, yes? This is Adam Rushable from Louisville, and just a little bit of uh, radio history, maybe. Uh, in the 1970s, there were two male uh, disc jockey announcers that moved from Denver to Louisville to work at WHAS 840 radio. One was named Joe Donovan, who worked a night shift from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m., and specialized in old-time uh, 50s and 60s rock music. And I was wondering if you ever heard of him. And the second one was a fellow named Jack Fox, who um, a lot of our members are aware of. I think in Denver he worked under the name Jack Frost, uh, and he moved to Louisville and, and worked at WHS for quite a while. And he is a um, talking book narrator, at the American Printing House for the Blind. His daughter is also a narrator, and he has a, a nephew named Todd who is a narrator. But I was wondering if you uh, heard of either one of those two. And also on the opposite, uh, there's a lady named Connie Williams who has filled in for um, on Coast to Coast uh, for George Norrie um, on weekends from time to time that moved from Louisville to Denver. And I was wonder if you'd heard of any of those three, Jack, uh, Joe Donovan, Jack Fox, and Connie Williams. I recall um, Jack Frost's name appearing in uh, um, when I was working at the Talking Books studio. Um, I would, uh, after the recording, I recall going through the script again, uh, doing uh, the review process and seeing his name appear as, uh, as a narrator. I, re I, I recall his name appearing in 
talking book topics. Excellent. From Zoom. Chuck. Yeah, uh, I'm back again. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm Chuck uh, from Tennessee. Uh, two questions. First of all, are you familiar with a talking book narrator? And and, uh, and do you, you might know him. You might have talked with him. Uh, Mark Ashby. And also, how many of the old talking book narrators are still around? I mean, you know, the ones that read back in the day. I am uh, in the Denver area, probably, if not the oldest, the second oldest uh, active uh, narrator. Um, there were, uh, I can't recall any of the ones who were there when I first started working who are still around now. Um, there was one uh, narrator who we uh, uh, all pretty much uh, uh, were very fond of, uh, and uh, his name was Bob Boots, and we now call him the patron saint of uh, local talking book narrators. But uh, I, uh, uh, in terms of the old timers, uh, uh, if, if I'm an old timer, then uh, there aren't any of us left in, our, in my area. We have uh, um, a woman who's in her upper 80s now, who uh, still reads for Books to Life. And uh, her name is uh, uh, Jill Ferris. And uh, yeah, she's been, she's been at it for, uh, uh, she was around when I, but she's the only reader that I know of to still be practicing the art who was, uh, uh, doing it when I appeared. Very good. I think we are back to the room. Hi, I'm Doug from Daytona Beach, Florida. Hi, Paul. A uh, question I have, uh, Jake. Um, I noticed that more and more often there are commercially done books and the lead-in and get the information about the book is generally done by a, an NLS narrator. Question number one, have you been approached to do that kind of a thing? Or do you know if your studio has been approached to have someone who can do that kind of a thing? Don't know. Um, I haven't been approached and uh, I have not heard of uh, any of uh, my colleagues uh, uh, in that uh, who have been approached, but um, uh, there are um, there are announcers and always have been who use several different names when they work. Uh, uh, Edward Squires might be the same as uh, Henry Higgins, that type of that type of situation. But uh, uh, no one has come to me, and uh, I'm more or less semi-retired now in terms of. Uh, not looking for new clients uh, and have been for the last couple of years. So uh, I'm in that regard sort of out of the scene. Excellent. Zoom. Rachel. Hello. Um, hi, Sheila. Um, hi, Paul. And um, hi, Mr. Williams. I'm Rachel. I'm calling in from Massachusetts right now. Um, first of all, um, what I wanted to say was I loved your book about the uh, Underground Railroad, the children's book, that is. Um, I loved your expression in the book, and I have downloaded it to Bard yet again. Uh, <laughs> um, and you have done a fantastic job um, with your 
with your reading. And I hope that you keep up the good work with everything. And thank you for being here. It's really great to meet you. Well, thank you. It's been fun for me. Uh, well, let, let me ask one other question. Did you find um, that things have changed much? And maybe you could describe some of that as someone who's been around in, in the talking book business for 40 years. Maybe you could describe what you think some of the biggest changes in the process have been. I recall when they uh, debated for about 10 years as to exactly the proper way when uh, the compact disc came out. Yeah. They went back and forth as to exactly how to package that uh, for uh, use by the blind. It was very promising when it came out. By the time... Uh, uh, I don't know if they ever settled. They did not. They, they never used it. Because uh, the, uh, 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 the direct download of the electronic data, yep. the uh, MP3 player format yep. uh, superseded it before they figured out how to do it. Yep, that's, that's a very good point. And I think we are back to the room. This is Linda from Atlanta. If a, the final product ends up to be 10 hours of read time, just approximately how much time do you spend to um, record that book? And what do you do when you hit a word that is unfamiliar or you stumble in, um, in within the editing process? Thank you. Um, the different studios have different methods. Uh, uh, our studio um, books to life, and uh, when I was working for the Talking Book Publisher Studio, uh, it was uh, essentially the same principle. We would take a book, someone would go through that book and uh, uh, filter out the uh, foreign words, uh, the difficult language, and uh, research it. There, um, the uh, LOC has a um, list of acceptable dictionaries <laughs> for looking up pronunciations, and uh, that gets us into trouble sometimes. I remember um, when the world was watching the Olympics in. Uh, what they called, because the locals call it Nagano or Nagano, Japan. We were the only ones I thought in the world saying Nagano because it would have been not accepted by NLS had we said something else. Um, uh, we are allowed to say Louisville, Kentucky, but not Louisville, regardless how many locals say it that way. Uh, which is not to be confused with Louisville, Colorado, but uh, the uh, um, we have uh, we will go through the material and uh, compile a uh, pronoun pronouncer for all of our difficult materials uh, based on uh, uh, NLS acceptable pronunciations. And uh, if it's a very specialized thing, like uh, we have uh, used in the past uh, uh, native speakers, Navajo, uh, uh, I remember uh, uh, a book I had that had some Nahuatl in it, and Tagalog, and uh, um, um, that's one thing that kind of separates our studio from the rest uh, and uh, we are we're given extra time of course to do this but uh, um, by the time the reader gets it <laughs> uh, chances are uh, the problems have been worked out so the, the other question that uh, that you were asked had to do with the 
um, if if you had a 10-hour book, how much time would you oh, be likely to spend reading it? Exactly. To record the initial recording, we figure a 10-hour book should be recorded in 20 hours, more or less, depending on the difficulty of the book. And then another, oh, probably double the length of the book in what we call post-production work before it's, uh, uh, before it's in a form ready for us to, uh, we don't send it back, we flash it back now. Excellent, Zoom. Sirku. So um, this is Sirku and I'm, I'm from Finland and Mr. Williams, I'm, I'm happy to be here listening to your beautiful voice. And because um, uh, I think all my other questions have already been answered. So I would like to know how you take care of that voice because it still sounds very pleasant to, to listen to. And also I would like to know um, how long can you be reading like before you have to take a break uh, when you when your voice sounds starts to feel tired? Our typical shift for uh, a recording session is uh, three or four hours. The uh, um, we go from nine to noon in the morning generally and then from one to five in the afternoon. And in the middle of those sessions is one 15 minute break. Um, yeah. and, and in terms of, uh, uh, I've been very lucky. I just uh, um, have not, uh, other than uh, periodic uh, cold, uh, uh, I just have not had difficulty with with my voice. Oh, that is excellent. And I think Room is next. Yes, I have a question. Excellent. Actually, two. These are simple. <clears throat> number one, uh, did you know Yvonne Vertesler? And number two, in your private reading, what is your favorite genre? Say who you are. And this is Ralph Smitherman. Okay. I did know Yvonne. And uh, uh, she was very personable and uh, was uh, very good on the mentor side. Uh, she was in action, oh, I think uh, during my probably first five or six or seven years or so. And uh, 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 I did know her and uh, uh, was invited to her home a time or two. Uh, she, would, she would host the group of us from time to time. And uh, what was the... And your other question was about... In your private reading, your favorite... Oh! Cookbooks. Uh -huh. Cooking. <laughs> My main therapy is cooking, and uh, so I. Uh, <laughs> you can move into our house. And room, Zoom? Zoom. <laughs> Andy. Andy Smith, you can unmute. Hey, um, I'd be interested to know about the. Um, the proofreading process, I guess, once you've completed a book or so, what, what do you just kind of like listen to, like for mistakes or something? Like, you know, how, like, uh, how does that work? Right. The, uh, um, the library service specifies that uh, uh, somebody other than, uh, uh, other than the reader and uh, preferably somebody who was not involved in the initial recording 
goes over the material once it is recorded uh, that the uh, that the second go round uh, the review of the finished or the review of the completed recording uh, be done by a different set of ears and uh, that way you know that that keeps your separation and that gets more people involved in the total process now my understanding is that that then the book goes to dc and a certain number of them get reviewed there and you occasionally get them back from dc needing to make some changes as well is that right exactly uh they pr are primarily concerned with uh formatting to make sure uh the navigation system for books has become more and more complex. Um, uh, and uh, uh, we get more things returned to us uh, for navigation errors than uh, for pronunciations or uh, um, we uh, have been afraid, but uh, if we'd have said, uh, uh, Nagano, while the rest of the world was talking about the site of the Olympics, we were afraid that would come back to us from NLS because uh, uh, our one of our pet phrases was, uh, this ain't the world, this is government. <laughs> All right, the room. Hi, my name is Debbie Watson. I'm from Chicago. Um, and... I uh, wonder, like, uh, I had wondered, you kind of answered one question, it seems, you readers do have <coughs> events uh, that you get to know each other, like, you know, you and Jill Ferris, Yvonne Fairtesler, Jill Fox, uh, and some of the others, do you, do you have a lot of those times that, you know, you guys get to know one another? And my other question is, like, let's say you're taking, uh, you know, NLS has their own pronunciation ways uh, of different things. But if you're reading like something like fantasy, uh, you know, or science fiction, uh, where, you know, of course, the names are not of this world, they're completely made up by the author. Do they have ways or do they have allowable pronunciations? How, how is that handled? So it's quite similar. Uh, here again, a lot of the sci-fi uh, does um, uh, is like series work or uh, the same story is uh, continued and continued and recontinued. We keep track of uh, the pronunciations we do so that uh, we're consistent. Uh, if something has been, uh, you know, if the name... Uh, L capital X seven three Z has appeared before in a story. We'll have it in our database, so that uh, at least uh, uh, if we're performing uh, uh, the work by the an author we uh, did before, um, we will be consistent uh, uh, at least uh, in the way we have presented. Uh, those words. And we do have uh, uh, a cumulative database for all the pronunciations we've used, which includes uh, the name of the work in which it first appeared. And uh, uh, it's uh, uh, our slang term for that is uh, this is what we've gotten away with in the past. <laughs> there you go. So there don't seem to be huge numbers, though there, there are a few, but not huge numbers of uh, African-American narrators. Are there, are there more at the Denver studios? And if so, could you identify them? Right now, uh, goodness, we're having a senior moment. First name is Adrian, and I can't remember her second name, but no, there good. are... Uh, that's good enough. We could find her that way. Yeah, there's a male and a female currently at Books to Life, that is, both part-time. That is excellent. 
and we are to the room. Rivers, Rivers, Adrian Rivers. Yes. Yep. Sorry, Adrian. So, Mr. Ralph, I think the room. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. I am told I am wrong. <laughs> Zoom, yell out. <laughs> I would never. Viola, <laughs> you may unmute. Hi, Paul. Nice to get to hear your voice. And um, You mentioned cooking, which is one of my favorite things to do. What's your favorite recipe to do? Um, and you mentioned this bibliography that you did that was really long for that tome that you absolutely didn't like. That's the one thing I don't like about the um, pre the recorded books from the publishers. There's no captions. There's no bibliography. There's no notes. You know, none of the footnotes are ever read. That's one thing that I still love about NLS is that you know they still do that and that's i did want to tell you that you know so uh so your recipe what's your favorite recipe thank you i'm not sure i have a favorite recipe i i don't really have a uh favorite type of food uh in the uh kosher soul book something I have not yet tried. Uh, um, there's a recipe for Kreplach uh, uh, stuffed with collard greens. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried it. it. It's kind of a little, it's a little bit more, it's a little more fussy than I, uh, uh, than the foods I usually fix, specifically the uh, uh, Raw collards get diced to uh, uh, very fine and then cooked sort of to death so that they'll behave, uh, mm -hmm. so that they'll stuff into a kreplach and then uh, uh, and will behave like a stuffing if you uh, run your fork or knife into it. Uh, but um, as for, I. Uh, uh, haven't evolved from the uh, carnivore uh, stage very far, and uh, so I uh, uh, I still think in terms of uh, uh, the meat being the main ingredient for a meal. But uh, there are uh, um, uh, uh, more and more. Uh, completely vegetable dishes that uh, uh, have been fixed lately and enjoying. But I don't think I, I don't have any desire to move away from the carnivore stage completely. You're a good man, Jake. <laughs> so um, are there others in the room? Jim Kennedy from Honolulu, Hawaii. Uh, I'd like to know if you've ever had a chance to meet some of the authors whose works you have read. Clive Cussler recorded uh, uh, a work at our studio. This was years ago when I was uh, uh, still at the uh, Talking Book Publishers, but uh, uh, I wasn't involved in his recording. Uh, and uh, uh, now Senator from Colorado, uh, John Hickenlooper, uh, recorded a book at the Books to Life studio, but I wasn't present for his sessions either. But uh, so I've, uh, other than uh, 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 passing through before all the waves had a chance to settle down, uh, I haven't actually been on hand for uh, any of the uh, uh, for the authors that I can remember being recorded uh, at uh, or the studio I was involved with. Excellent. Zoom. Pam Coffee. Yes, this is Pam from Alabama. Um, 
I understood this morning that you, when you worked in radio for a while, you were a music DJ slash announcer slash whatever. Have you ever had a chance to record a book that was music related, like about a performer, a composer, uh, whatever music related? Thank you. Recorded uh, a life of Leonard Bernstein. Oh, uh, in fact, uh, it was that was interesting because uh, originally I uh, did the pronouncer for that book, and uh, the reader who uh, was going to do the recording didn't. So uh, I recorded the book after having done the pronouncer for it and uh still complained about the pronouncer occasionally uh you know stop the reading go look look in the webster geo i'm sure it doesn't say this <laughs> but uh i've done that and uh uh let's see richard strauss uh mozart i was a uh, um uh, jazz and classical music was uh, were my two principal interests when uh, I uh, went into radio and uh, I had the uh, best facility with those types of music. And so uh, particularly years ago when I first started recording, uh, uh, that was one of my selling points. Uh, and... Uh, uh, you know, I can do the, uh, um, uh, I can do the musical stuff. I did a kid's book about Sonny Rollins uh, walking up and down the walkway of the Brooklyn Bridge, relearning his horn. Uh, Sonny got his groove back. And that was a... a uh, junior high book, and that was fun for me to do. Excellent. I think we are back to room. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> Jake, I have another question. Sure. This is Ralph Smitherman. In all the books that I've read from NLS and commercial narrations, when the word E-I-T-H-E-R is said, it is pronounced either with almost everyone with whom I have spoken on the phone or in person, how do we say that word? Either. Either. So I, I really don't understand why NLS won't see our side of that issue. Uh, in, in fact, uh, that is one of the items uh, NLS doesn't really have a preference for. I've been getting away with either for 40 years now. So I guess they don't care either. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, they, they do have, uh, I think, not uh, uh, a sufficient number of words uh, they don't care about. I, I think the, uh, their rule is uh, any unqualified pronunciation in any of our official sources uh, is acceptable. So let's take a last question from Zoom, and then after that I'm going to give Mr. Williams an opportunity to say a last few words if he'd like. All right, Agnes, you may unmute. Hi, this is Agnes from Colorado, and I was curious, when you narrators first start first start working for NLS, do they put you through a, a training program to, you know, get you started off and uh, letting you know what some of their basic guidelines are and so forth? Or is it one of these situations where you learn it as you read? It's sort of both. Um, you uh, typically will not get past the studio director in order to audition unless the uh, 
studio director is uh, sufficiently impressed with uh, uh, your, you know, bona fides or credentials or whatever. Uh, you do make an audition tape, and uh, this is for every reader still. That tape gets submitted to and tape. That recording gets submitted to the NLS, and they will either approve or disapprove for whatever reason. They don't have to say why. Gotcha. Any final thoughts for us, sir? Oh, um, well, it's actually uh, been a pleasure. Uh, this has consisted mostly of uh, my recalling uh, incidents that uh, you know I'm happy to recall. Uh, um, I uh, overall I have complained about uh, you know I haven't recorded 95 90 minute sides of uh, Karl Marx uh, all the time. Uh, most of it has been uh, um, a very fun uh, way to make a living. It's uh, things I. Uh, um, um, don't mind at all doing. Uh, um, my joke about Karl Marx is uh, at the beginning of Capital, that's how we translated uh, uh, Das Kapital into English. Uh, at the beginning, he promised uh, that uh, this would be uh, the entire capitalistic system in seven volumes. <laughs> He died after uh, volume one, and uh, volumes two and three were assembled by Engels from Marx's notes, and they contain no new information. So not only was it 95, 90-minute book sides, but after side 35, there was no new information, which, uh, you know, is a good way to lose the reader. And the and the listener, uh, uh, I uh, I said that uh, when I was getting toward the end of the uh, bibliography for that book, and the microphone was open, I could look into the microphone and see there was nobody else out there. <laughs> I think this is a book I shall not download. <laughs> I'm glad it's in the archives, but uh, <laughs> me too. Yeah. Mr. Williams, thank you so much on behalf of uh, Library Users of America for spending extra time with us. Thank you very much to our mic runner, Ralph Smitherman, and to Colby Garrison, who's keeping us honest. Thank you, Colby. And to our Zoom host, thank you so much. I don't know who's streaming. But please pass our thanks on to that person as well. And let me remind everyone just before we end this session that tomorrow, uh, uh, Judy Wilkinson, our president, will be back. So you probably won't have to put up with me very much. <laughs> but um, we will have the opportunity of talking with Jason Yasner, who is the assistant director of the National Library Service for the Blind at 2.30 in the afternoon. And I think in this very same spot, and certainly the same spot on your Zoom dial. So do turn up, join us, and get all the questions you've always wanted to have answered about why the library doesn't do exactly what you want tomorrow. Thanks so much, everyone. Have a great day.